This episode of the A-List Podcast is powered by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, Ashra Blickley, with the co-host with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. What's going on with you in the world today, Kwani A. Lunas? I'm here. I'm present. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> you know what? This podcast is, all the podcasts are special, but this one is particularly special. You want to know why, Kwani? Explain. This is podcast number 36. 36 is an important number in self-explore today. Yeah, I think a guy by the name of Paul Pierce. Did I get it right? Uh, That, no. Oh, wait, am I wrong? Oh, Mark Smart, I'm an idiot. Guys, please forgive me. I don't know why... In my defense, it's really late. <laughs> there is no defense. I am not going to defend no, you on that. I, That's right. It is It is I about Marcus Big Money Smart. That's what I'm calling him now. Marcus Big Money Smart because money Marcus smart. got the payday of <laughs> four years, $77 million extension from the Celtics. Uh, numbers that are similar to what another guy who was on the Celtics roster last year got from another team, Evan Fournier, who was with the New York Knicks. And I mean, I, I think a lot of people were surprised that Marcus got, let's just be honest, Marcus got that bag. Yeah. When you heard so many stories that one minute Marcus Smart was someone that, you know, Brad Stevens and the organization were, were you know, catering to, and, and that caused dissension among some of the players. And then you had other reports out there saying that Marcus Smart heart and soul of this team. And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, money talks. And right now, the Celtics, I mean, the, the, the contract that they have given Marcus Smart says a lot about what they think about him, not only in the short term, but also long term. You're absolutely right about that. And I saw, I didn't get to confirm whether or not that <laughs> like tweet that he, or retweeted tweet that he um, retweeted was accurate, but it went back to the report where it said that Marcus Smart was. Uh, they were unsure of his future with the Celtics, and then for him to make this bag is obviously obviously something I think that surprised a few a good amount of people. I think whether they were Celtics fans or just NBA fans overall, but I wasn't really surprised by the move. To be honest, it was definitely something. When you see the tweet, you're like, "Oh, this actually happened." But knowing that players and coaches call him the heart and soul of the team, and knowing what he's done for the franchise and being the longest tenured player thus far, I wasn't really surprised that Brad Stevens saw him as the person that he wants to continue to be with this team. And for all we know, Marcus might end up retiring as a Boston Celtics, which would be pretty impressive in this day and age, impressive because it doesn't happen that often. No, it it doesn't. It doesn't. And I thought this was yet another example of how Brad Stevens is distinguishing himself from his predecessor, you know, Danny Ainge. I mean, you know, folks, you know, if, if you recall, there was another elite defensive-minded wing that the Celtics had who was in a similar situation where the team could either keep him in the fold or they could just kind of let him walk, which was one of the options the Celtics could have had with Marcus Smart if they didn't get this deal done uh, this season and let him go into unrestricted free agency next summer. And that is Tony Allen. Uh, a guy that Danny Ainge I know had liked a lot, but felt that there was a certain price point that 
he would be comfortable bringing Tony Allen back at. And when Tony got slightly more than that, they let him walk. And Tony Allen went on to not only become, you know, one of the top perimeter defenders in the NBA, he became a cultural icon in Memphis. I mean, that grit and grind, you know, moniker that they, they carry with such pride, Tony Allen established that. And there's a sense that if the Celtics were to let Marcus Smart go, he may not go and put up great numbers and be an all-star, anything like that elsewhere. But there was a sense that if he were to leave, he would be taking with him a certain style of play that would create a culture that would be different, unique, and maybe most important, it would give that organization a face and a style of play that they didn't have otherwise. And I I give the Celtics a lot of credit. I give Brad Stevens a lot of credit for recognizing Marcus Smart's value to this team uh, going forward. But again, that being said, you know, when you pay him this kind of money, you're putting him in a certain stratosphere as far as players in this league. And that I think is going to be to the Celtics benefit long-term because if for some reason things don't work out and you're looking to move Marcus, you know, because of his contract, more likely than not, you're going to get some combination of frankly, pretty good talent, whether it's picks, whether it's players. And so you've got a guy that is going to be, I believe the kind of the, the focal point of what you do in terms of your identity yeah. But if you need to pivot out of that, you've got he's got a contract to where you can actually get more of an apples to apples uh, trade if you want to go that route versus what I would consider an apples to grapes trade. Because with his contract prior to this one, uh, you weren't going to get a, a comparable player in terms of impact on that type of money. Yeah. And also, I, I, to your point, if they do decide to trade him, as you mentioned, they would get a good value out of him, but now it kind of fills in the question of who was going to fill in that point guard role. And Shams reported in the athletic that Marcus is expected to be the starter for this season, which I think is, I had to think about it a little bit overnight, but I thought it was a good decision, whether obviously we'll see what you may decides to do this season, but I do think that actually could be valuable to the Celtics. I know a lot of Celtics fans get frustrated with Marcus smart shooting, But we talked about all of this season, even in the offseason, about the fact that the Celtics do need a facilitator. And we know Marcus being the bloodline of this team, a facilitator can do that. Someone that is willing to step back and say, all right, maybe I don't need to be taking as many shots as I may have in other seasons and help Jalen and Jason really get the ball where they need to. And I think Marcus Smart can do that. And it's up to him, one, being empowered to just realize all right, maybe take a step back from the shooting and do what you can for the team. That's not to say that he can't shoot at all, but again, knowing the frustration from fans and knowing the talent and the grit that he brings to this team, I do see that as being a good fit for them this season if that ends up being the case. So that'll be an exciting way, um, I think, an exciting thing to watch from him this season. Another point that I wanted to bring up is the fact that it's not even really a big deal, but I'm sure you've noticed over the last few seasons, Every time Marcus is starting, he never sits on the bench. He actually still stays Good for him. on the court, in the lineup. Spotlight will go on him if he's starting in that given game. And it's not really a big detail. I'm sure other reporters have noticed it. But I thought it was really telling to show the fact that whether he's starting or not, he's bringing that same energy to the team. He's clearly dedicated enough to this Boston roster that he will stand wherever as long as he can be on the court and represent where he needs to. And the fact that it's reported that he will be a starter, I think just ups his value when it comes to knowing historically what he's been able to do for this roster. 
Well, here's the thing. I, I like like you, Kwani, I'm kind of going back and forth about who should be that starting point guard, whether it's Marcus, whether it should be Schroeder. And I ultimately came down to it being Marcus. And here's why. Marcus has this team has to have a certain identity to be successful. And I think it, it really is a gritty, grimy, defensive uh, brand of basketball to have to play in order to be successful. Marcus in that starting lineup gives you a much better chance of having that be the identity. I think when, when Ime has talked about Marcus being more of a facilitator this year and getting the ball in his hands, you're doing that for two reasons. One, you're trying to empower him as a point guard, which, again, he's coming off a season in which he averaged nearly six assists uh, per game, which was a career high for him. But having him in that starting lineup with a Tatum and Brown, Marcus is smart enough to know that those guys are going to get the lion's share of shots out there. And it's his job to get them the ball where they can be most effective. And the thing about Dennis Schroeder, he's already shown the ability to be not just a pretty good player off the bench, but one of the best coming off the bench type players in the game. And so when you had when you add that to the mix, he can still be impactful as a scorer, which is what you need coming off the bench. And Marcus can be much more, I think, effective as a facilitator because he's going to be surrounded by, again, guys who can score. And he's going to have, frankly, I think, a greater sense of leadership because Ime has been pretty outspoken about Marcus and the role he expects him to play. And there's, there's an undeniable uh, feel that he has big goals and big hopes for Marcus this year. And again, maybe that could be just in that Marcus smart ego trying to make it feel good that he's not going to get his shots this year. <laughs> yeah. But I think at the end of, but that's what, frankly, that's not a bad thing, particularly if the, if Marcus is able to play the way he is accustomed to from a defensive standpoint, take advantage of opportunities when scoring opportunities present themselves, but be mostly locked into facilitating and defense. and and. As far as the offense is concerned, maybe that, that scoring punch outside of the Tatum and Brown to guys like Williams rolling to the basket, like Schroeder come off the bench as a score and things like that. So I, I think it's um I think it's gonna be a really good situation for the Celtics. The thing that you know we still have yet to see, truly get a feel for, we won't until we get into the to the meat of the season, is how is Marcus's smart how is Marcus Smart's new contract? going to affect that locker room because right now you know remember marcus even though we talked about him as the heart and soul of this team marcus was like on the back nine on his roster in terms of pay uh several guys who on this team were making more money than him and now that he's in that vip front row the playing status with his money how is that going to work with the rest of the, the team and the, the dynamics with with the Tatum Browns and Al Horford? How do you think that's going to work? Again, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. That's a really good perspective that I didn't really think about. But to that point, I would hope that the money didn't change Marcus. And I can't speak to that because I don't I hope you never know how things will change people. But from the experiences we've had with him over the last few years, I want to believe that he wouldn't be the type to come in. He already had his Versace robe. I think that's the most <laughs> big-time thing Marcus could have done, to be honest. And he did it with swag. So I honestly don't think the money will change him. I do wonder if the dynamic of the locker room would change. But when you look at the locker room right now, the stars are still Marcus and Jalen. I mean, excuse me, Jason and Jalen. And then, obviously, Al Horford is returning to that locker room. Al is definitely not the one that would be complaining or acting 
different about money either. And then the fact that the two stars are already getting the money that they've wanted. Everyone else on the roster, no offense, but I don't really think anyone else in that locker can really sit there and complain. For Marcus, he's proven what value he's brought to the organization. Jalen and Jason have already been given the 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 keys to the city, the keys to the throne, the mm-hmm. future of Boston. And then again, Al coming back, I think him being familiar with the roster, familiar with the city, familiar with the front office definitely brings value to the team. But just from, again, our experiences covering the, those players, thankfully we've actually been in a locker room with all of those players, including Al, even though that was right. a few years ago. I don't think there's going to be an issue. Uh, you never know. I don't want to just claim that I'm going to know the future, but from what I've gathered, the way that these players act around the media and from, you know, the experiences that I think we've seen, I don't really see, I can't really think of someone on that roster that would be the problem child, so to speak, which gives me hope Mm -hmm. that when we talk about chemistry, we talk about the dynamics of how the players will get along, not only on Mm -hmm. the court, but off of it. I'm really optimistic about the way that people I'm not saying everyone has to be best friends but I don't think anyone on this roster as of now hates each other and that's the most important part or will have any kind of grudge well I'm just hoping that that Versace robe gets blinged out (laughs) that's what I (laughs) listen man when you when you bag 77 million dollars okay and you rock a Versace robe pre 77 million dollars you need to bling that bad boy out, and I, I, that that is, my, Marcus, that is my. You gotta add Marcus. something to the robe. <laughs> and, and, and and for those who'll be like, "Oh, Marcus, he letting that money go to his head." I'm like, "Shut up, y'all! He just got seventy-seven million dollars. Let him do him." Also, he when you know, that. if you know Marcus's story, anyone that loves the NBA and loves a good storyline, you're going to root for him because you're absolutely, he literally absolutely. is the epitome of a, a person that has grinded to a point where he's getting what he deserves. So. I couldn't be nothing but happy for him at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's no question that, you know, I, I think about him and, you know, my, my, my fear, uh, and obviously with different circumstances, but my, my fear with, with Marcus was that he would wind up in an Isaiah Thomas-like situation, and not in terms of health and things like that, but just in terms of not getting the money that your talent, yeah. when you were at your peak, warranted. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's I, I think it's great that the Celtics are, are you know, really – investing in Marcus. And, and again, it's a contract that it shows your commitment to him, but it also, to me, it gives you a couple years and it gives Marcus a couple years to really put his imprint on this franchise in terms of winning a championship. And if for some reason, you know, this team is still middling around six, seven, eight in the East and Marcus's numbers are pretty much the same and his impact is, is pretty much the same. And they're just not taking that next step, his contract becomes something that is potentially movable and a lot more movable in a couple of years than it is right now. But at the end of the day, no matter what roster he's on, no matter where he's at, the brother's gotten paid. And this yeah. is that one payday that he's, 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 I seriously doubt if he'll get a contract similar to this in his next deal. But yeah. the fact that he got this deal done, I, I'm really happy about for him and, and, and excited to see, you know, what, how he responds now that money is literally off the table. Money's not an issue for him anymore. Yeah. Four more years of Marcus Smart. And to your point of Isaiah Thomas, he was to the point where he was talking to the media and being unapologetic Mm -hmm. about asking for that Brinks truck to be backed Mm -hmm. into his house and, and the money to flow out. And unfortunately he never did get that contract. I know that 
injuries definitely played a huge role in it. But I think it also speaks to the organization's growth. Obviously, Danny Ainge is no longer in that position. It's now rad. But for him to see the value in Marcus Smart, know that he brings more to the table than just a stat line, I think that speaks a lot to, again, Marcus's talent, but also the organization saying, yes, you have to do a business deal. And yes, you have to do what's best for the organization. But a lot of there are people in that either follow the league or are in the front office or even fans that are like, oh, the stat line is all that matters. And that's not to say Marcus's stats are terrible, but you have to realize what this person brings to your organization. And for four years, if that person can bring enough that is valuable enough for you to hopefully for them at least win a championship, it's always going to be worth it. Yeah, and 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 until you know, Marcus, I, there's so many positives that he brings to the table. That that's that to me, that's not even debatable. But there's some not so great stats that he that he got to put his imprint on that he got he, he has to own. You know, mm-hmm. among them, his three point shooting for guys who take as you know five six threes a game, he is literally and statistically one of the worst shooters in the NBA when it comes to taking as many threes per game as he takes. Uh, that being said, I, I've, and, I, and again, I know a lot of those uh, individuals who are critical of Marcus Smart, they, they tend to gravitate to that one stat. And I get it. It's a stat that, w- it, frankly, it pushes your agenda. Yeah. But I look at the hustle stats. I look at the steals. I look at the defensive rating. I look at all the different analytical numbers that, that we attach with Marcus Smart. And then at the end of the day, I go to the eye test. And when I see him play, I feel that if he's on my team, my defense is better when he's on the floor. My team can do more things to impact winning in a positive way when he's on the floor. And that's why Marcus Smart, he's one of those guys that, again, no, no matter whether he's making $77 million or $0.77, cents, I'm going to rock with that dude because he he's that dude. He's that dude that when you talk about winning and, and having guys who can – you don't have to worry about their effort because the Celtics, when I look at their team this year, the, a big key to their success is going to be effort because I don't think they have the flat-out talent to beat a lot of teams in NBA. They, they could beat some, but not they're not like a top-five, top-ten team based on their talent. They're going to have to outwork, out-effort teams in order to be one of the top teams in the East. And Marcus Smart, he's going to be one of the keys to that. And when you talk about keys – for this podcast, one of the keys is our good friends from betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is starting to kind of get into the swing of things. We're starting to think about pennant races and then playoffs and, and, and things like that. You can track all the action on Bet Online. Uh, real-time updated odds and promos almost on anything and everything you can imagine. They got you covered with news, scores, odds, you name it, they got it. And don't forget to use the promo code of all promo codes, the CLNS50 code to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Now, bet online. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, now, we're just talking about uh, quite a bit about Marcus Smart, Mr. Point Guard. Yeah. And I wanted us to pivot to another point guard. And in full disclosure, I love Kimball Walker. I, I, I've i been a big, other than when he played at UConn and he used to bust my boys at Syracuse. That mm-hmm. was the only period of time where I really wasn't a big Kimball Walker fan. Take yeah. that little block of time out of the equation. And I love Kimba. Yeah. But I, Kimba, 
as as again, he can throw a little low key shade. Not not enough to where he's just like yeah. absolutely you know giving you the you know flicking you off or just just <laughs> a little bit to to just a little bit to let you know that he didn't think something was all that cool. Uh, it's that southern when, hospitality type of shade. Like I know he only lived he lived in North Carolina for most of his career. I know he's a New York boy, mm -hmm. but it's one of those bless your hearts, but they really are trying to say something else. That's the yeah. kind of shade that yeah. he does. It feels yeah, sweet, but yeah. you know it's not. <laughs> exactly. It's he's he's hitting you with that that's that soft but sweet, effective yeah. killer. <laughs> I don't um, blame so him. It's, it's, yeah, and it's he was asked, you know, at a recent press conference, now he was the New York Knicks uh about just you know being believed in and things like that and and his quote was this i definitely feel like boston believed in me but they traded me you know yeah. mm -hmm. and then before things get you know before folks actually last on to that he says so yeah i don't think they didn't believe in me <laughs> and so i read that and i'm thinking i know what you did kimba i know exactly what you did and you know what i am not mad at you because <laughs> If you if you don't pay close attention to it, you'll think, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. But if you're really listening, you will see the low key shade that he's doing at the Celtics. And, and to his credit, I understand that. I mean, when you are hurt, when you're dealing with an injury, and, and you're trying to work your way back into into the swing of things, and you're having unexpected setbacks, which seem to be the case with Kimba, and a team trades you, and they know that where you are in your career. They trade you to a team that ain't trying to win a championship. Oklahoma City ain't trying to win a championship. Now they trying to stack chips, not championships, trade chips, first round chips, draft lottery chips, those type of chips. But though, to me, those type of chips, it's like it's like healthy potato chips. It's a chip, but it don't really have much value. I need <laughs> I need my my salty, greasy, you know, put it on a paper towel and the paper towel get damp because of the because it soaks up all the. I need the real chips, not the healthy, you know, yeah, not the, not the vegetable like, chips. Like, you know, the baked chips. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We don't want, exactly. So I, I, they send him to a team that's not trying to win a championship. They're just trying to gather assets. And yeah. to Kimba's credit, left some money on the table to go play with a team in New York that's always wanted him. I mean, people forget that when Kimba was a free agent and he re-signed his, his previous deal with, with Charlotte, New York was very interested. When he came up on his last free agency period, New York, very, I know for a fact, I talked with folks with the Knicks organization who made no secret about, yeah, Kimba's somebody that if Charlotte doesn't pay that man his money, we want, we want in on that. And Kimba admitted that New York was a team that had his attention before he signed with the Celtics. So no one is surprised that he's back in with that organization. And no one should be surprised if he throws a little bit of shade at the Celtics uh, yeah. because you know, again, Kimba, he's such a good dude. Uh, and when he's healthy, he's such a good player. But the Celtics, frankly, I think they had, didn't have much of a choice. They had to, to do something significant with this roster. And when you look at all the potential chips that they had to play with, his was the one chip that made the most sense to flip because you knew it would open up some things for you that could potentially give you opportunities to be better and that's what this always comes down to if you don't win a championship your goal the next season is to be better and i do think that by trading timba it is going to make the celtics a better team down the road i'll admit i always have a soft spot for players in the league that it's usually height related but they have a chip on oh, their so shoulders. So you, 
No, oh, I'm, Lord. look, I'm being real. Though. When just when just because you vertically challenged, don't mean that that's why Kim. No, but okay, but, but that's not the only reason. I think when you look at when you compare, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it personal. So when you compare the landscape of NBA, and then you compare the the landscape of media, sports media overall, there are always okay. the from a physical standpoint, at least, or even just other background aspects that people want to decide, there are always going to be reasons why people don't think that you can be successful on their team, on their roster, right. on their broadcast, whatever the reason may be. So right. with Kemba, I know Isaiah had a similar issue, but that was obviously also injury related. The reason why I said that is because there are a lot of times where people will make fun of the way that someone will have a chip on their shoulder. And even if there is a circumstance where it's an injury or it may be another issue that doesn't align with what a team is looking for you're allowed to feel hurt you're allowed to feel some type of way because that team didn't want you sometimes you take it personally to the point where it's a bitter chip but then other times it's a point where you're just like all right i'm gonna go somewhere else and do better because clearly they didn't want me look at tom brady the patriots weren't willing to pay him he went tampa bay Brought a championship. I know that's a whole other sport, but that's the ultimate. That's said, the ultimate get back right there. Exactly. A lot of times, people may not see your value. Maybe Kemba's injury. You know, the last few years it hasn't been great, but maybe he'll bounce back to the point where he is leading the Knicks to at least a playoff game <laughs> or a few. But whatever the case may be, I understand it because there are a lot of times overall where you may not be the right fit for that specific situation. Mm -hmm. You go somewhere else and it ends right. up working out. And for Kemba, as you mentioned, him being a very pleasant person to work with in the media, mm -hmm. seeing the way that he championed his teammates, that's another person where you look at their career and you know that there have been ups and downs, but you look at them having that homecoming and you're like, that's another thing you want to root for because you have your chip on your shoulder and hopefully you're able to prove the people that didn't believe in you wrong. That's always anyone's goal and whatever you do. <laughs> Well, Kwani, as as you know, and, and our folks who have watched the podcast, you know, over the past few months, one of my favorite sayings is one of my favorite t-shirts, and it is stay oh, salty. Yes. yes. It is exactly. stay salty. I, I love it when players stay <laughs> salty because to me, it, it it allows you to just lock in and just right. want to play your ass off because you know they did me, at least in my eyes, they did right. me wrong. Yeah, and if you're Kimber Walker, you better believe the the the, the radar gun will be locked and loaded to be knocking down shots. That might be one of his most efficient games all NBA season. When it, nothing personal against Tatum, nothing against Brown. He loves those guys. You know, his time here, he made it 100% clear that he wanted to do whatever he could to help those guys get better. But guess what? Mm -hmm. Now that he's with the Knicks, he's trying to bust their ass. He's trying to drop 50. He, I, I'm telling you, if the Knicks are up against the Celtics, and Kimba has 47 points, and there's like two minutes left, I guarantee you he's going to be calling for that ball. He will be calling for that ball because there is nothing sweeter than getting back at your ex who cut you loose. Let's exactly. be real. And you just to clarify, yeah. And they, not only did they cut you loose, but they cut you loose like they sent you to Oklahoma City. <laughs> of not all to, not, I mean, I mean, of 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 the you know 20 some 20 some odd cities in the nba oklahoma city is probably bottom five in terms of cities that nba players want to call home 
And that's what they sent you. And so for Kimba, I absolutely, absolutely endorse him staying salty. Absolutely. And I, I hope he plays well. The Celtics are not, you know, I think they'll beat the Knicks when they play. But if Kimba drops a 50-piece on them and loses, I am absolutely cool with that. No problem with I am that. absolutely cool with that. No problem at all. I wanted to clarify for the NBA snobs, though. When you say the garden, it technically is the Madison Square Garden, which is where the Celtics yeah. season opener. Shout out to whoever made the NBA schedule on October 20th. The Celtics will be at Madison Square Garden facing off against Kimba Walker and Evan Fournier. So the Stay Salty be, series begins. Stay Salty will be the headline. Sherrod will be courtside. Giving us all I'm the gonna find a way. I, I, I'm speaking into there is a, <laughs> There's like a 99.9 percent chance I will be in New York City Honestly, when the stay salty the stay salty series begins. That's what we gonna just let's just call it what it is. It's the stay salty series. Let's I might need to go find my way up in that series as well because that will be a series worth being at. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited about that game. I'm, I'm excited about that game. And Celtics fans for most of summer league. Were pretty excited about what they were seeing. Team, they steamrolled through the first four games. They get to the playoffs, and guess what? They get steamrolled. Um, lots of de- interesting developments in the Celtics summer league uh, shenanigans uh, as they finished summer league runner up. I'm gonna just tell you right now. I think I think it's better to not win a championship because when you start looking at the teams that win summer league championships, they squat in the regular season. The Kings, this is like their third <laughs> summer league title. This I mean, they probably league. got like summer league. Yeah, this is this is this is like the highlight of the season. The, the highlight of the, the season. organization. We, we talk about teams peaking early in the regular season. They don't even get to the damn preseason before they get their yeah. their highlight of the season. The, things in Sacramento will not get any better than they are right now, as they are once again summer league champions. But here's the thing. I don't want to talk about Sacramento because Sacramento is a waste of time. I'll leave that to, to, to Kyle Draper. Shout out to our guy, to Kyle Draper. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Kyle Draper, who was not a witness to his Sacramento Kings winning mm. another summer league championship. So he, what was he doing? He on vacation? I think I think he was on vacation. You know, but obviously the Kings, you know, they they get they're ready to roll come summer league. It's just mm. it's the preseason and regular season that just they stumble on, uh, but. <laughs> For the Celtics in the summer league, there was a lot of notable players, and certainly, you know, there were three or four guys that we all were looking to see them play. And, and one of them was Romeo Langford. And I'm gonna just tell you right now, and we talked about this on the Garden Report a few days ago. Um, I still got some Romeo stock. I haven't completely sold all my Romeo stock, but I'm gonna tell you right now, my shares are not looking plentiful. They're not looking profitable. And I'm, I'm trying to hold on because I think there's value in him, but he's making it very difficult. And the latest setback for him was a wrist injury that kept him out of the championship game. And, you know, with Romeo, injuries have been synonymous with his name in the NBA. There's no yes. getting around that. And it's too early and, on in his career for that, unfortunately. Right, right. And, and, and that, for me, is, is really the tough part for me to stick with my Romeo stock because I think it has value. But if you can't get on the floor long enough to maximize that value or even compete to maximize that value, it's hard to believe in you. And, and, and that's the thing about Romeo. I mean, 
I still got a little faith in him, but I just wonder how much faith does Romeo have in Romeo right now mm-hmm. uh, when he's had setback after setback after setback. There's no way that you can maintain a, an elite level of confidence when you've had the kind of setbacks that he has had and hasn't been able to really put together the kind of run that would, I think, make the Celtics feel confident that he's a guy that can be part of the long-term plans. You know, we were kicking around the idea of the over-under on Romeo as far as games played this year, and I think it was – I think it was might have been Jimmy Toscano who said like 72. And I'm just like, I'll give you whatever I will give you whatever I got, whatever it, any non-lint in my wallet right now, I put down on that and take the under. I just don't think he's I just 72? don't think he's played that that's many a games. lot. That's a that's a lot of games to expect from someone that hasn't been able to have consistent minutes in their last few seasons. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 and again, I, I love the talent that Romeo brings to the game. I, I love the skill. I just wish I could love it for more than a minute, more than two minutes, more because he just doesn't stay healthy enough. I think make anyone feel confident that he's someone they can rely on, and he's getting to that point where you know the Celtics have to make some decisions on whether to extend his deal or not. And I think he will. I mean, I think they will. I, I don't think the Celtics are just going to let him walk at this point because I think he's shown enough to where. Literally, the only thing he has to do at this point is stay healthy. What can he do if he's healthy? Let's take a look at how Romeo can perform if he's healthy. And that, I think, is that's going to make or break his career at this point. Um, another guy. Well, go ahead, Quinn. I'm sorry. You're good. I was just going to say it, it kind of when you mentioned whether or not he can stay healthy, that just goes to highlight the mental health aspect. I just looked it up real quickly and he's only played 50 NBA games. So Mm -hmm. for him to be mentally able to continue to bounce back from injuries, and that's not to say that he can't do it. That's something that he really would have to be able to push aside that wrist injury. Now, any other potential injuries that he's had before you can't play in an NBA season or even have a successful NBA career if one obviously you have a a lot of injuries but two you're not able to come back from them mentally and be able to show physically that you're able to do it because like you mentioned the Celtics could be like you know what we've given them two seasons it's time to cut them because there's clearly not enough value out of it and that's the thing with a lot of these rookies and sophomores in the league when I'm sure they have advisors around them that can explain it to them but you're always fighting for a roster spot. There aren't that many openings to be, one, a player in the league, but a successful player in the league. So I'm sure he knows the way, the weight's already on him when it comes to having that success in the NBA. But summer league was obviously a chance to prove it, but the preseason and the beginning of the season is where he's really going to have to show to to Brad Stevens, to Ime, that he needs to stay on this roster, let alone show other coaches if he should even be in the league overall. Yeah, yeah. He, it, this is definitely a year of proving for him. Yeah. And another guy that kind of falls into that boat a little bit is Peyton Pritchard, who, uh, yeah. again, he had a really good summer league. He was actually mm-hmm. named to the uh, first team all summer league team, yeah. uh, the only Celtic name to that. Uh, he left summer league in Vegas briefly to play in a pro-am game, dropped 92 points, <laughs> came back in time for the championship mm-hmm. game. He was play- And here's the thing. Okay. And, 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 and again, I had this conversation with, with some other guys in Vegas um, after the Sacramento beatdown of the Celtics in the, in the, the Summer League Championship game. When you 
see a player or hear of a player drops 92 92. and you're playing against that player 92 and i don't care whether it's pro-am high school exactly 92 points is 92 points uh that's impressive when you get a chance to go up against a guy like that you ain't going to treat him the way you would any other cat who can score you were going to give him the deluxe we're going to treat you like your name is lebron treatment he got that package every time he damn near touched the ball they double teamed him they blitzed him they did everything they could to get the ball out of his hands and i will say this you know after the game joe mazul talked about these summer league coach for the celtics he talked about he didn't do as good a job as he could of putting Peyton in, in positions to be successful. And while there, there may be some truth to that, there's nothing that you can do as a coach when a guy is blitzed and he, he doesn't respond to that blitz. Right. Uh, you got to put him in some different situations, but ultimately it's on the player to re- respond. And I just thought Peyton was just brutal in that regard. He was three for nine shooting, took six pointers, missed all six of them. He had eight rebounds, or excuse me, had six three assists, but he also had six turnovers. And for a point guard, even in summer league, to turn the ball over that much, that's brutal. You're going to struggle. Your team is going to have trouble winning. You're more likely to not going to play. Uh, your play is going to suffer. And I do think a lot of the, his struggles had with the fact that he dropped 92. And cats hey, on the case looking at him like, they're just like, yo, <laughs> we're about to put him in the clank clank. We're locking this right. dude up. He ain't dropping 92 on us. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that there was a different level of compete that they brought to the table. And I didn't think Peyton, I didn't think his teammates frankly matched that. I mean, they were getting just absolutely run out the gym. And part of that had to do with Sacramento has, they had better length. Uh, they had guys who, again, play a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and, and, and again, the Celtics, they never were able to meet that force head on. Uh, they were always in that game playing from behind, which is very different than what we saw in all but one of their four games prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious about how Peyton is going to, is he just going to brush aside what happened in that one game and be back to being a young guy on the rise? Or is it going to be something that lingers with him? And I just wonder, does he have any regrets about leaving the team Playing a pro am game, and then yeah, does, I, I, I'm curious if he has any regrets about that. I would hope he didn't have any regrets because when you hear something like that on national television, that a, a Celtics player dropped <laughs> that many points on the team, you're going to be proud. You're going to look at him and say, "All right, he clearly has some kind of future when it comes to scoring." Obviously, that also puts judgment on the people that were defending him, but that's neither here nor there. I don't think he should have regret, though, because that does go to show the scoring that he is able to give a team. Again, not in the NBA where you have the best players in the world, but I think he needs to channel that confidence. Whatever he had going on that day that empowered him to drop 92, go ahead and do it. But I also think it's one of those situations when you hear the quote, don't ever get too high, don't ever get too low. For him, his high was that Pro-Am game, and his low, I'm sure, within the last few weeks, would be the Summer League Championship game. And I think for him, and with anything that you do, you take those two moments, those experiences, you realize how great you were at one point, but then you realize that you weren't as great. And then you find that in-between where you can just bring consistent greatness. And that's what the Celtics need. That's what I'm sure Peyton Pritchard would want for himself. You think about 
you know, not to get nostalgic, but you think about the Mamba mentality with, with Kobe. He mm-hmm. always wanted people to be consistently great. It wasn't about, yes, you can have a game where you're dropping such and such points, but if you can be consistently good, that's what makes great. And I think for Peyton Pritchard, if he can channel all of those emotions from those two games, then he would be really set when it comes to a consistently good NBA player, which obviously the Celtics want, but anyone else in the league would be happy to have him moving forward if he didn't end up having an entire career there. Well, I can tell you right now, Quinn, I'm going to have to push back on you a little bit and think, I think he should have regret. Uh, I think he should have regret because his job is to be an NBA player. We're not talking about him taking a, a, you know, a, a, a social justice position that's unpopular. Yeah. We're not talking about him, uh, you know, going to visit his grandma who's ailing. No, we're talking about him leaving his professional basketball team to go play mm-hmm. with some slash professional slash amateur basketball players at a time when this is a critical year for his growth. I mean, think about yeah. this. He's a point guard. He doesn't have the physical versatility to play more than one position. He might play some off the ball, but he's not able to play that from a physical standpoint for any sustained period of time because he's only six foot, six foot one, something like that. Look at this roster now. You've got Marcus Smart. You've got Schroeder. You might have Chris Dunn. Where exactly are you going to play? How? What can you do to best position yourself for minutes? And the, one of the best ways to do that is continuing to develop chemistry and strong play with your teammates. There's a, at least two or three guys that he played with this summer that when he's on the floor come regular season, he's going to be on the floor with them then. Developing chemistry is important this time of year. And and again, him going to Portland and pl- or, or playing in Portland, it's not going to be the be-all and end-all to his career or anything like that. But it's an example of when, if we're just being honest about this and, and keeping it real, he this is not that was not something that he needed to do. That was something he wanted to do. And he wanted to play in that program when he, frankly, he should have felt the need to stay with his team. But listen... It's done with, it's over with. He did not play well. And that correlation between him being in the program and him not playing well, it's possible to not see there's some type of connection, even if it's a very light, lingering, loose. There's a connection nonetheless. I mean, think about it. You play five games, you play four games, only one game did you play poorly. And that was the one game that you rejoined. Yeah, that actually mattered. And it was yeah. the one game that you had left the team prior to that and rejoined them. So I would I think there is a part of him that that will regret that will have some regrets about leaving for the program, even if, you know, again, we're talking summer league. And at the end of the day, no one but but me and probably three other people is going to remember that. Um, but I tell yeah. you, well, go ahead, Pointy. No, your perspective definitely makes a lot of sense. But I was going to ask, do you think a front office person or even a coach would look at what he did as a ding against his resume? No, I, I think they'll look at it as, look, he made a decision. It didn't work out. We're just going to move on. I, I don't think they're going to get too caught up in that, but I, I think it's, I think it's really hard to not give it some thought because again, it seems so unlike him. I mean, this is a legitimate gym rat, a guy that stays in the gym, gets in early, leaves late, and you're thinking, you just you, you love that about him. 
And it would be typical, it would be him to go somewhere, leave the team to play basketball. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think right. that was kind of how they're looking at it. Like, like this is just Peyton, you know, this isn't like, you know, some guy, you know, staying, staying back in the city in LA because going it's his birthday, not wanting to go into the club. I mean, Peyton is trying to go to the hole and drop 92. That's what he's, right. that's what he's trying yeah. to do. And so I respect that about him, but I still believe that when you are a young player and you're yeah. trying to establish where you are on your roster, on your team, you need to take advantage of every opportunity to press those coaches and show them that they can trust you. And they, they definitely trust Peyton, but I just don't think I just don't think this was a good idea on his part to leave the team, even if it was just for one game. That's valid. So another guy that we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about on that league team was Aaron Neesmith. Uh, now his his uh, his college coach. And also friend of the A-List podcast, Mr. Jerry Stackhouse, was at the game. And it's funny because I talked to Jerry shortly before Aaron dropped like 33. And I remember Stackhouse was telling me, you know, he just needs to shoot more. And, and And Jerry was like, you know, it sounds simple, but he's such a wanting to do the best thing for the team. And, and, you know, and, and Stackhouse, was very comfortable shooting a rock. That was, he was, you never had to tell him, I don't know, Stack, maybe you need to shoot the ball more. You know, that conversation never happened with him. And I respect, I respect him for always knowing who he was and what he could do. And I also respect the fact that, again, he, because he's coach Aaron Neesmith, he knows some of those buttons to push better than most people. And I talked to Aaron a little bit about Stackhouse after their life. And, um, you know, he was happy to see him out there. But the end of the day is this Aaron Neesmith is a shot maker. He is, when you start looking at what he does and what he's capable of, him and Chris Middleton, he's a young Chris Middleton, very similar skill set, similar size, similar strength, similar weaknesses. And that, to me, is the template that he is should be trying to emulate. But the biggest thing he did in summer league was he showed that he could put the ball in the foursome and that he could attack off the dribble. He was more than just a stand-in-the-corner, catch-and-shoot guy. And his game... And, you know, I've talked to this about other people. He has to have a Jalen Brown plan of growth in mind. Every year, Jalen came back with something a little bit better than the year before that when you saw him play, it's like, okay, damn, he can shoot the corner three now. Oh, wow, he can put put the ball on the floor and hit hit the pull-up. Oh, wow, he can finish at the rim. Every really, really good player is going to find a way to get better and be noticeably better. And to me, that's the challenge right now out there for Neesmith is to figure out how can he be noticeably better going forward. Uh, and then again, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in him and he's another one. I got plenty of Neesmith stock. I, 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 so I bought that when they drafted him. I have not sold a single share. That's one of my favorite guys to watch out for this year. Slowly trending up. I would love to see him get a lot more playing time this season, not too much playing time, but mm-hmm enough where we can really have him see him get more development when it comes to his play in the NBA, the, the, the pace of the NBA and really just get adjusted to it. So Jerry Stackhouse, we're still waiting your prediction. This kid needs to be an NBA all-star very soon. <laughs> um, look, Stackhouse, Stackhouse don't lie. Um, yeah. He don't lie. He, I, I think he will. I think he will be in that conversation soon or uh, sooner rather than later. 
Uh, but one guy who's not going to be in the conversation sooner rather than later is our good friend Yam Madar. Uh, had a great had a great first game in summer league, and things yeah. went kind of south from that point on. Uh, he just signed with a Serbian club, Partizan Belgrade, yep. and he'll be there for at least a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know he'll be someone the Celtics will continue monitoring. I think he's yeah. they still he's have his rights, so they can yeah bring him back when they need. It. Yeah, so I, I thought he I thought he did a lot of good things when he was out there as that first game. But again, my biggest concern with him is just his physical strength. I just he's very thin, um, has a great basketball IQ, great feel for the game. But I think the main man of Celtics is for him to stay abroad one more year. As long as he's developing with that Serbian team, I think that's the best you can ask for. A lot that happens so often in the league anyway. Players will get signed and then. They go back overseas to really develop more skills. So hopefully I'm not, and maybe you can speak a little bit more to this when a player is under the Celtics or a specific organization and they go back to an overseas team, how much say does that rights holding organization have when it comes to their development, maybe their play time, their eating habits, do if any at all, what do you know what that looks like when they go to that other team? It varies from team to team overseas, but, but again, when they're playing for that particular club team overseas, mm-hmm. that team is the one that that player will answer to. That is the team okay. that that player will build their their workout regimen around. And the Celtics, you know, what they typically do is they'll, they'll pop in from time to time to see the kid play in you know certain games and, and things of that nature. But for the most part, they kind of they understand that they have the rights to that player, but those rights don't really have any teeth to them until those guys come over to the States. Whereas overseas, those contracts, those are the contracts they're currently playing under. So those teams have a definite, genuine, in the moment interest to see those players do well and control as much as they can, what that player is doing in terms of eating, in terms of conditioning, in terms of diet and things like that. Yeah. Um, but Yam is, is I, I, you know, I think it is in his best interest to, to go back for another year. And the other, young fellow international talent uh Johan Bergeron uh, I butchered his last name and first name yeah. probably so that's that's I uh, gotta work on that fortunately probably not gonna have to work on that fish another year I think he also will go back overseas I think he'll he'll uh another season of international competition before he comes over but he looked pretty damn good I mean I, I if I'm him I don't know if I would do a two-way contract um, but I, I think he's going to be pretty damn good. I mean, his athleticism, I think, is really, really stands out. And he's he's got more size than I thought. Um, but no, he's no shrinking violet. I mean, he's a he's a pretty good sized kid. And remember, he's only 18, 19 years old. So it's not inconceivable for him to have a Giannis Antetokounmpo growth spurt mm-hmm. where in the next couple of years, yeah, he, he might grow in a, a couple more inches and, and then kind of, you know, be an even more attractive talent for the Celtics if instead of him being like right now he's like six five six six in two or three years if he's like six nine six ten that changes a lot a lot so overall it's looking bright for the Celtics future yeah immediate future yeah. <laughs> Did you, not that far yeah. ahead yeah I would say so and you know Brad has done some pretty good things with the roster I must admit uh, can't really, you know, really dump on him too bad. 
Uh, and, and summer league is, is over. And so now this is the dead period uh, where there's going to be very little news happening. You know, the Celtics have pretty much spent all the damn money that they can. Uh, they've added players. They've given they traded away players. Uh, the team that we see now, most likely, more likely than not, is the team we'll see at the very start of the season. Uh, and that team, again, I, I think a lot of it comes down to compete. How will this team compete? night in night out i think you know Ime is looking for that to be one of the strengths of this group that they'll be a good defensive team that they'll play hard and be consistent with that effort but you just every team even if a guy plays hard blast that doesn't mean that effort is going to be the same the following year so it'll be interesting to see how things come together for the boston celtics this year a great conversation sherrod as usual yeah <laughs> and that being said, Kwani, you always have something going on. What's the latest you got going on with NBC 10? Yes, lately I've been on the hub today still, and they haven't gotten rid of me just yet. <laughs> but I've been doing... Check I've, your email, Kwani, check your email. I know, oh my gosh, let me check. It's 10 o'clock. I'm... <laughs> So as you know, I've been doing the 10 questions with NBC 10 Boston series as well. Mm -hmm. And over the last few weeks, I was highlighting all of the mayoral candidates. The primaries are coming up soon. So if you actually live in Boston proper, I know I'm not trying to get political on here, but do your research, figure out who you want to be the next mayor in Boston. But on the hub today, we've been basically condensing those interviews to about a minute and a half, getting the best sound bites from it. And the catch to it, if you're not really big into politics, because most of the time sports fans just want their sports, I get it. We've been getting the answers that are not necessarily politically loaded, finding out who Mayor Kim Janey listens to on a regular basis. Andrea Campbell, we found out that she was a double Dutch queen. There were so many things about these candidates that you would never know from reading their platforms or looking at their campaign website. So if you head over to NBC10Boston.com slash either 10 questions or the hub today, you can check out those. We just did a showcase on Kim Janey, but next up we have John Barrows. He's actually the only man running for mayor in Boston. So you can check that one out on the hub today. If you have time, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 1130, check out NBC10Boston and you can find me live on TV. <laughs> Yeah, I was I, I checked out the, the one with uh, Kim Kim Janey and, and I, I found it interesting some of her music options. Yeah, uh, some of the different and, and I would I would strongly encourage folks to check that out because I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be surprised uh, at some of her choices. As the price. So, yeah, that <laughs> was that was that was that was good stuff. Good stuff. And, and as for myself, just the usual uh, doing some bleach report stuff, uh, looking at the offseason, got a couple of stories coming out. Uh, soon on that is and just doing the whole academic thing and bleacher report i mentioned that a second ago also CLNS media uh, you Garden have been Port. a teacher for a year congratulations LinkedIn it was funny i come it's i didn't realize that until i got all these damn congratulations I'm just like <laughs> i didn't do anything today folks i'm just like chilling but yes it's been a year and, it, and we're going to re, re up and do it for another year uh so actually my, my class uh, starts in less than a month so Yep, hit the hit, hit the uh, hit the reset button and do it all over again, which is what we will be doing a week from today. Yeah. Um, 
Before we go, though, def definitely another shout out to our good friends at betonline.ag. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave Carney and myself the gift that always comes right on time. Uh, great review for the A-List podcast. Uh, keep us going. This is episode number 36, a.k.a. the Marcus Smart Marcus edition. Smart uh, I so, got it right this time. I don't know. Paul Pierce, I'm sorry, 34 or 36. I'm just going to blame my lack of number comprehension on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just chalk it up to a, a kerfuffle, a quantity kerfuffle. Um, Thank you to yeah, all you gracious but, uh, listeners. Because <laughs> they, because I guarantee you, they're going to be wait a minute. I'm sure Did somebody listening, they're like, she is not qualified to talk about basketball. She it happens, so people. Get roasted. I know, so I know. Get roasted for that. I'm ready. I got uh, you back, Mike. Hit me with your best. You ready? <laughs> you ready? Because the flame, because the flame, they, they will be throwing the flames away. But uh, yeah, none but love for Kwani. None but love. <laughs> that does it for us. Another edition of the A List Podcast in the books. Kwani, a lunatic. A List Podcast. That means we are out. See ya.